Are you ready? Starting now? <laughs> well, now you just messed it up, you knob. God, you know that the shit that we go through for this, huh? I know. <laughs> fuckers, fuckers better appreciate it. When we started, we were just like, yeah, we're just going to do this, man. You know, shoot our wad into the wind and see what happens. <laughs> What's right. the title of this uh, podcast again? I don't know. Objects, I don't know. Something with a penis, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> our fucking faces are everywhere now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but You're but welcome, ladies. <laughs> right. Popular with the ladies. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm not even going to apologize because I hopefully, hopefully it sounds <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, really? totally. this is this is fucking explicit now. <laughs> ah, the explicit button. Let me use my finger. <sighs> la, 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 la. It is time for another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And that episode starts now. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. And we actually have a guest. And Ashley, go ahead and introduce yourself and your podcast if you could. Sure. My name is Ashley Hassan, and I am the host of Sober Girl Podcast. Yeah, well, welcome. And uh, Mike is still here, right, Mike? Yeah, I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the other half of this thing that we do. So so we've been we've been actually promoting this. God, has it been a month? I think since we started. Oh my god! I feel like it's more than that. <laughs> I feel like we've been, done such a good job at promoting it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so our our plan here, just for everyone, is that uh, I mean, yeah, we came together basically in in our recording studio. But um, this is truly a, a joint episode. We want to. Um, I mean, Ashley is a, I guess, quote unquote, a guest, but uh, we don't want to look at it that way. We've got a lot of things to talk about. She's got questions. We got questions. Um, just an opportunity for us to shoot the shit, get to know each other, and hopefully do the same for everyone else. So um, only thing though, and Mike, uh, and Ashley, the, the last couple of weeks we've been, we've been doing like a, like a reading uh, at the beginning of the episode. So Mike and I always do meditation readings and stuff like that. Did I catch you off guard, Mike? Well, yeah, I thought we were like doing a different format, so I didn't grab my shit. No, that's okay, and that's what that's what I was that's what I was going to ask. I thought about it coming into this. I'm like, you know what? It, it still might not be a bad idea to yeah, do a yeah. reading. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I actually gave it a thought, and I was all, "Nah, we got a guest. I'm just going to leave the books upstairs." Do you have Do you have your book? So you don't have your book available? I don't. Okay, <laughs> all right. So you know what? We won't we won't worry about it then, because yeah, you're right. actually you're tied in now with your computer and stuff like that. Okay, so staying sober, staying sober is the most important thing in my life. Today, <laughs> there we go. We've done it. All right, cool. So yeah, I, you know, one way or the other, I just thought it might be uh, might be something for us to to look at. But hey, you know what? I nope. I, I threw that out. So. <laughs> so so Ashley, this is this is how things go with us. You know, we have this semi plan in our head, and then uh, you know, best laid plans, as they say. But um, so um, just a little bit of a, I guess, a backstory for everyone. And I, I think that um, Ashley, we connected with you through Instagram. I think probably months ago. Um, yes. And I don't, I don't even remember when it was. I know we were, we were connected on Instagram and I don't remember what, I, I think I was just looking for other podcasts to listen to. And when I connected with you, I mean, I knew you had a podcast and I, I don't remember if I, 
I knew I hadn't listened to any of the episodes, so I started doing that. And uh, the the funny thing is that, uh, and Mike and I kind of joke about this all the time, is that you are, along with a lot of these other folks that do podcasts, you are so nice. (laughs) 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 And and I, I tell Mike this all the time. I'm like, all these other people, I said, especially the women that are doing podcasts, it's like, we're so happy you're here. They're so supportive. And then and Mike and I are calling. I mean, he's he's signed. Ashley, tell tell everyone what he signed in on here, what what his name is. Fuckhead. Yeah. Mike, Mike, signed, <laughs> Mike signed. Mike signed. He signs into the thing as fuckhead. And, you know, I mean, the, yep. the, the back and forth is, that we have sometimes. But, I mean, we're, we're all about recovery. We, I mean, we're serious about our recovery. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're certainly not as nice as you. Um, you know, but uh, I've, I, I have listened to. It's pretty all- low bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're one step ahead of a guy signing into a podcast as fuckhead. If that makes you if that makes you feel any better, um, but you know, just I don't know if you want to give a, just a little bit of background about how you how you started. Um, I don't recall how many episodes you have, but I, I've listened to all your episodes, even the most recent one. Um, so just a little bit of a background on how you even got into the into the podcast itself. Yeah, absolutely. So it goes along with a big topic I really want to talk about and shed some light on. So I started the process of getting my license back. So my license was permanently suspended. So Mm. I had to go through a lot of different things that took almost two years to get my license back. So I started on TikTok and I would go live and have like non-AA meetings. That's a big part of my story is that I didn't do AA. So I would just go on every single day at the same time. So people knew that's when I would be on, I would be on for like three, four hours, like just chatting with people in recovery, having like people pocket pop into the box. And I just really started, I was very close off. to like my sobriety didn't really talk about it with anyone I didn't know. And I just felt like all of the steps that I was going through were so stressful. And I was like, if it's stressful for me, it has to be stressful for other people and like a very thin line of like, would this make someone else relapse? Like I have said to my husband a thousand times, if I didn't have you, I don't know what I would have done because I was just a mess at sometimes. So the process was grueling and the people that were on there were like, you need a podcast. So I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And then, (laughs) so then I was like, okay. And then I just started asking people if they wanted to be guests. I had this guy and he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I kind of had been on one podcast already. And he literally just showed me the ropes, told me what to do, answered all my questions. And I just started my podcast. I am, I do go through it. My story has a lot to do with like trauma and different things. So I tend to lead more to those stories and those people, because I feel like I have more of a connection, but I'm down for anybody. But I, I ask some hard questions. So I try to get the person that I'm talking to, I, I talked to them beforehand. And I'm like, look, the this is like the gist of what I'm going to ask. I don't like to give questions because I feel like that ruins the organic level for me. Right. So right. I just kind of really just explain to them that I, I want them to be as open as possible. And if they can't do that, then maybe come on when they're ready to do that. So that's pretty much what I do. And I really enjoy it. And it's because I don't do any kind of meetings or anything like that. It really just grounds me in that respect to do it. Cause it's kind of like I'm having an hour meeting with someone else. Right. And we're talking about stuff and it's great. 
Well, you know, it's funny, and uh, Mike, I don't think anyone asked us to start a podcast, did they? <laughs> no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes people have asked us to shut the hell up as far as I, as yeah, far as I know. Yeah, that's happened. So you, you know what's funny is that, uh, and, and we did, we started this all on a whim, but the one thing that you know both of us have agreed have agreed on is that this this podcast now exactly what you just said this is this is an hour long meeting and to to begin with that was that was our motivation i mean mike and i just getting together because he lives in cleveland i live in wisconsin now we both got sober out there we've been friends since you know basically well, we've been we've been around each other since day one when we got sober. So right. coming up on thirteen years now. And we're brothers now, we're family now and all that stuff, but we just don't get that amount of time to spend together. You know, so that was our thing. We're like, we're just gonna get on and talk shit. And then uh, yep. the the idea of having guests, when did we have our, our first guest? That wasn't until like the mid uh, shit, twenty some episodes, twenty three, twenty five. Yeah. 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 Because when um, the the whole Anchor thing, and we still use Anchor to publish our podcast, but uh, we switched to this recording studio um, at episode, I think, again, it was 23 or something like that, but um, just a little bit easier format to, to bring people on and whatever. But um, but the whole point was is that, I mean, we just we just kind of started off in, in Mike. But tell her what your expectations were when we started. <laughs> oh, I had absolutely none. Yeah, like you said, man, we were just going to get together and shoot the shit. And if somebody wanted to listen, cool. And if they didn't, we really didn't care. <laughs> Still don't. Yeah. And you know what? Really what it comes down to, and in our, follow, our follower base is, is growing. Um, we, we've never taken, uh, I can't say never, but we've, we, we take dips a little bit in our followers. That's why I say people probably want us to shut the hell up sometimes but um you know as far as our instagram you know follower base but you know the podcast itself has grown and you know we get some the the coolest thing is we get some really great feedback every once in a while and i i'm sure i know for a fact that you do too that's what makes all this shit worthwhile right oh yeah absolutely and my most the most feedback i get is from people who aren't even sober for yeah, me on my side, I'm like, yeah. and it really is nice. It's a lot of people like I have a lot of sister-in-law. So it's like their moms will listen and then message <laughs> them and they'll screenshot that to me. Um, but it's just, it's really nice to get that from somebody outside the box. If that makes sense. Like mm -hmm. it just, it, it's like solidifies what I'm doing and that I'm doing the right thing. Well, and that's what uh, Mike's Mike's girlfriend Chris is a um, is a normie, and because you said they were they listen, she's got people at work to listen, right, Mike? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got all kinds of normies that listen. Yeah, she's got people, you know, people at her work. Um, you know, her kids. You know, her kids are not, you know, part of this part of this thing or anything like that. So, um, our our sister mates that make great comments about it. We've got, yeah, we've gotten, uh, I would say probably some of the most deep and sincere comments that we've gotten or feedback has been from normies, right? Right. Yeah. Well, we can't count on the goddamn drunks and junkies to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause yeah, we know we're, we're all about us. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so now the, in the one thing too, and I, and I had mentioned this to, to Mike when I first started listening to your, to your podcast. So, um, well, I, I think, you know, that we were we were brought up, raised up, um, still live by all the you know AA principles and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, Mike goes to you know his his home group every week. I I don't go to meetings actively, you know, un unless mm -hmm. I'm out in Cleveland. But still love the meetings, and this is how that's how we were taught, and it's good for us and all this sort of things. But 
if I'm not mistaken, you stepped into AA and then took a little bit of a different path from that, correct? Yeah. So I had a big part of my story, which a lot of people who I think are going to listen to this already know, but um, I went to jail for four months. I got sober the day. My sobriety date is the day I went to jail. So as most people celebrate it and it's like this good thing for me, it's like a 50, 50 <laughs> right. anniversary of when I went to jail and is the anniversary of the day I got my life together. So I went to, I got out of jail and I was just trying to get acclimated to everything. And I really had like serious boundaries. I, I barely talked to anybody and just had to figure my shit out. And my family was, all of them were like, I think you should go to a meeting. I think you should go to a meeting, like whatever. So I was like, oh, fuck it, just I'll go. <laughs> so there's one down the street. So I was like very active at that time. So I just walked because I couldn't drive. So I walked like 45 minutes to go to the meeting one way. And the first time I went to the meeting, I was like, ah, oh, it's okay. There were like a, a, one or two younger people like around my age. And I was just mm. like, oh, okay. And you know, people were nice. And then the second time I went, the guy asked me to speak. And I mean, at this point, I'm six months sober, right? And right. I had used no program. Um, Jail was not there to help you. Like, they couldn't even get me into the meetings because they were full. They they told me I could go the week before I left. And I was like, no, nah, I'm straight. So I ended up just sharing, like, my story and kind of what I've been doing. And I, like, they just all, this one guy just, like, went in on me. And I was like, okay, this is not a safe place. And I'm not doing this again. And I left and the younger kid came up to me and he was like, you know, he's like, no matter what, whatever's keeping you sober, that works for you. And this doesn't look the same for everybody. So right. I left and I was just like, yep, I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't need to do this, but it did drive me to find another way because I felt like I needed something right. like it couldn't just be, you know, just therapy, whatever. I'm like, I needed like, a structure to begin this foundation on my own. So because I was in a controlled area for four months, like, yes, could I have found some kind of shitty alcohol somewhere? Probably. But that wasn't on my mind. My mind was, I need to fucking fix my life. Right. So I just kind of went to Russell Brand and I started listening to his podcast and there was not really a social media, anything for really sobriety. And I wasn't in a place where I wanted to talk about it. So I, he was like promoting his book. So I was like, all right. I had a Barnes and Noble gift card. I was like, I'm going to go get the book. I got his book. And then um, I think her name's Tiffany Jenkins. And she was, she had a, like a crazy story, kind of very similar to mine, but just not with alcohol. So I got both the books and his book laid out like what the program, how they would word like step one through 10 and mm -hmm. how like you take it in normal English language. And he did both programs, so he just put all that information in there, and it was the best thing I ever did. I did all of the step work through that book. Yeah, and and I thought that was uh, I, I thought that was interesting because there's uh, and Mike and I have talked about that too from a celebrity standpoint because there's obviously uh, Russell Brand is very vocal, um, Craig Ferguson, um, who right. else, Mike? Who are the other? There's a couple other dudes that are well, Mark Barron. Mark Barron's pretty vocal. Right. Yeah. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is super vocal. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, oh, who? Um, the guy that plays Iron Man. I'm like losing oh. his name right yeah, now. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Jr. Very, very open. Yeah, Rob Halford from Judas Priest. He just posted his 36 years or something like that. Yep. Damn. Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah, God, I forgot about him. And then, yeah. uh, um, of course, Mike's Mike's favorite band, uh, 
Alice Cooper, that dude's been sober yep. for how long has he been sober now? Yeah, uh, he's uh, since the early 80s, so whatever that works out to. Stevie <laughs> Nicks? Stevie Nicks is sober? Yeah, <laughs> yep. Yeah, was. <laughs> or is or is she sober, Mike? No, I, I have no idea. I just. I uh... <laughs> believe, because I, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because I didn't actually know that. We went and saw her in September, didn't know that. And then something ended up popping up on my TikTok about her talking about it. And she looked the way she looked at the concert. So I'm assuming it's mm-hmm. within the last few years. Oh, yeah. And so she was talking about that she like what she would do and things that she would do and stuff like that. So Right. Well, you know what? And, and I don't remember, and you didn't you haven't mentioned it yet. What's your what's your uh, sobriety date? 4-3-2019. So I'm coming up on four years. Awesome. You said four what? Four years. No, I know, but the date again? Oh, four, three. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, it must be must be a good month because mine is uh, my anniversary is April eighteenth, and Mike's is the twenty mm-hmm. second. Uh, so. Oh my yep. God, that's my mom's birthday, and my birthday's on the twenty fourth. Oh, look at that! <laughs> yeah. yeah, April. April must be a good month. And here, here's a fun part too: is that, uh, in and we talked about this before, but there's in the from April through what do we figure, Mike? April through November. You know, the, mm-hmm. the number of people there's still. Uh, Probably eh, out of the fifty guys or whatever that were there at the time uh, at the Keating Center, there's there's at least ten that are still sober. Right. You know, for right. for the amount of time since 2010 when when we got sober, you know, so which is which is kind of cool. And and we did. I mean, we did the straight you know AA stuff. And in Mike Mike's had more of a he had more of a background in different things. You know, in in the past he was in. California did some of the more, what do you call it? The more touchy feely stuff, Mike? Yeah, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of, lots of hugs and talking about feelings and things like that. Yeah. And the, you know, the, the funny part too. So you're in, um, and I'm not going to ask your exact location, but you're like the North, Northeastern part of the country, right? What's your address? Yeah. Um, I live in, yeah, I live in Connecticut. I'm pretty centralized, like mid centralized. Um, I put my, my like town, but I live in Norwich. So it's, I kind of live in equal distances to like Mass, uh, Rhode Island, stuff like that. So there's a lot of different stuff around, which okay. is nice because different states have like just different things. So sure. I'm able to go and I know some people in Mass who are sober, which is nice. One of my good friends who I met on Instagram lives in Rhode Island. So there's a lot of different kind of things going on. And especially with my situation with like the license thing, that that person that I know in Rhode Island, like she has to do all of that too and kind of has learned how to do it through what I've gone through. Right. Like, and know what to expect. I think in my situation, I literally, I tried finding people who had gone through this and couldn't. So it's just nice to have people in those surrounding States that you can kind of get together with. And her and I have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. So, and we bounce like when we're having a hard time, like we'll bounce stuff off of each other. So it's a really nice space, but also a, we know that space is judgment free, which is nice. Right. Right. Yeah, no matter, you know, no matter how unique we think our stories are, we're not. There's somebody nope. else that's done the exact same thing we yep. have. And there's people who have a different story and maybe they had it a little easier. And then there's some people right. that had it really fucking hard. So right, it's like exactly. there's there's so many different le- levels, which is why I try to l- let people know, like, recovery looks different for everybody. And some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I'm in recovery. Some people are like, I'm in sobriety. Like, it just depends on how you think, how you feel, and how you do it. And everybody does it differently. I know people who, I've been in therapy since month six, and I know people who haven't done any therapy. 
but like kind of work through shit on their own because there's all these books out there that can help you do that. So that's how they do it. And it's just no way is the wrong way. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you're like faking and fucking being dumb, but <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like trying to pull like wool over people's eyes or like continuously. I've seen a pattern with certain people where they're like continuously relapsing and like, I will reach out to them whether that is taken or not. And I will be like, look from my experience and I've never relapsed, but I'm like from experience and what stories I've heard and what I would personally do something has to change because nothing changes if nothing changes. Right. So I'm like, change one thing, just try to change one thing that you're doing and that might help you out. Exactly. Well, and we were on, we were on another podcast and and I had brought this up after the fact, after I listened to it. But one of the questions at the end, the guy asked, you know, same thing, if you got this chronic relapser, you know, do you, what do you tell him? You know, do you tell him to keep going and keep trying? And I, and I hesitated when he asked me the question. Um, and, And I felt bad after the fact, I was hoping that it didn't, you know, pop up and clearly, you know, listen or to the people listening that I hesitated, but it did. But the point mm-hmm. was exactly what you just said is that we, Mike and I have talked to people about this, you know, through the, you know, through the AA program, there's, I mean, with that, again, there's some structure, there's that you went through a structured thing, just worded differently from what it sounds like mm-hmm. with Russell Brand. But the whole point is if somebody is, it's not that people shouldn't keep trying, but yeah, if, if you keep walking and you run into the fucking wall every single time, move over and walk through a door. <laughs> yeah. Know, don't keep, don't keep walking into that same wall. You know, and I, I remember telling a guy, I can't remember one of the, and I haven't sponsored too many people, but there was one person that I, that I had sponsored at one point and he had relapsed a couple of times. I just told him, I'm like, the, the thing of it is obviously make a phone call, reach out to people, blah, 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 do all the different things, you know, but to, I said, you got to think back a little bit to every time you pick up or every time you use, you know, what were you doing at that time? And sometimes it is just, you know, this little bit of a direction change, you know, and granted, if you didn't pick up the phone, do that. You know, if you didn't go to a meeting, do that. If you didn't reach out to somebody. But um, I mean, Mike and I always talk about the I, I know for a fact I couldn't do this on my own. Right. I mean, right. Mike? Right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I say it all the time. I'm a loner and I'm an isolator and all that good stuff. But yeah, I need other people to do this. I can't do it on my own. Right. And that's the thing, like you were talking about, Ashley, is having that uh, that community of people. Um, and Mike and I lean on each other about freaking everything. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh, and I, I say this openly all the time. There's uh, I, I don't make there's very few decisions I make on my own. <laughs> and if it's, if it has to do with a sobriety thing, I, you know, I talk to Mike. Um, if it has to do, you know, with financial things and stuff like that, I, I go to my sister because she's got a good head on her shoulders, you know? Um, and a lot of times it's the, the three of us have talked about, you know, things like that too. So, um, right. yeah, you get, you gotta have people. So in my reason for asking the, the question to begin with about the location was that we've talked to, um, like Christine that we had on, I don't know, a couple of months ago. And there's been other women that, um, I've seen post on like Instagram and things like that, where, you know, they've not had the, and I'll just say it wasn't necessarily super bad experiences where they were harmed, but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable at an AA meeting. And, and I was just kind of wondering in your area, is that the only meeting you went to? Did you ever go to like young people's? I'm just trying to get an idea of AA yeah, in different so areas. I went to that meeting and then really I was just, because of my drive, if I ha- was able to drive, I believe I would have went and tried again because I was in such like this place of like, where do I go from here? Right. Um, I did end up, because I talked about that a lot when I started on TikTok, and 
this guy had me pop into this meeting that was, I mean, it had like everybody and I still just, it wasn't for me. Right. And I mm -hmm. went in there with like, I mean, it wasn't like I had my situation. I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be horrible and I'm just going to hate it. It's the way it's done is very different than the way that I think. And I think I'm a very outside of the box thinker. And so for me, just what was being said and like these different things, I just, it just wasn't for me. And that's fine. And I was luck. I was happy that I went into that meeting because if I only went to one, I mean, what would that show? That would show that I just like gave up and that's not, uh, that's not what I do. So I was like, you know, let me go into this situation. But yeah, so I never really did anything else. And I have um, like hardcore A people like they would like attack me on Instagram on TikTok. And I mean, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. So I'm like, whatever, I'm fucking sober. Like this one guy, he is like, he speaks out a lot. He's part of like this really cool unit that I love, but he had said something and like mentioned a comment somewhere that I a hundred percent disagreed with. And he said, well, if somebody didn't go to AA, then they're in the closet drinking. And I was like infuriated because mm -hmm. like I'm very open and I work very hard to maintain my sobriety and I was like, this guy basically just said, I'm faking my shit. And I was like, this is not okay. Like, and I went to my friend who is also in like the same communities on online that I am. And her and I actually like talked about it. She was like, did you see that? And I'm like, yeah, made me really upset. And we were talking about it. And then, and for us, that was close minded because how are you going to do that? But then there's all these other people that, you know, personally that haven't done that and they're right. sober they're not drinking in a closet so that really <laughs> like bothered me the way like i felt like somebody was attacking my sobriety and i took that personal although it wasn't personally to me i took that personal because i'm like i work really freaking hard and this guy's basically saying like you don't right and you know and that just and that's hard for me and that's what i could see in that one meeting that i was in that it was like that guy when he like was chewing me a new asshole like he literally he was coming from that same place right he oh, wasn't absolutely. opening his mind like he wasn't like oh shit she doesn't have cravings like that's fucking awesome like she doesn't have right. to deal with that that's such a hard fucking thing to deal with like you know what i mean and she doesn't like that's great like how does she do that like maybe i want to know how that's done because he said <laughs> he's had cravings ever since he stopped and he had been sober for like 45 years <laughs> right right like yeah, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so i'm like Let's like talk. Like, why do you have to attack me? You know? So I was, I'm just like, and I kind of have that. And I see the pattern through other people and not everybody, but other people who have done that program where they, they have like this, this mind because it's, it's a lot of people see it as like, oh, well, I'm an AA and I do it this way. And then like they're a community too. But you got to mm -hmm. expand your, your mind and your way of thinking. Like not everybody is going to do it the same way. And sobriety is literally trending right now and everyone's getting sober. Like even people who haven't had like some crazy fucking story are like, you know what? I just don't like my relationship with alcohol right now and I'm just not going to do this anymore. So it's like, we need to keep an open mind and not try to judge somebody. Like that's the last thing that we don't want that. I don't want somebody judging me, especially on my past. So what, you know, why would you do that to somebody else? So it was, it was hard to get over that. Like I was mad at AA as a whole <laughs> for a while until I was like, I opened my mind to, you know, this is a great foundation. Like I tell people to go to meetings and I think that mm -hmm. surprises people. I don't think people expect me to say that, but if you cannot stop on your own, you need a foundation. 
that AA and NA can give you that. Right. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, you know, just because uh, someone is a, I'm using my air quotes, first air quotes of the podcast <laughs> uh, in the program doesn't mean they're truly working the program. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're truly working the program, you are open to other ideas. That's all in the book, man. Um, you know, and, and you need to realize that the path is open for a lot of different ways to do this. That's that's in the 12 and 12, man. You know, the hoop we have to jump through is a lot bigger than we think it is. You know, so this narrow path that these these people in the rooms are, are walking, um, I, I like that path to be broad, as broad as possible because I want as many people as possible to be sober mm-hmm. and better people. <laughs> well, and, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, too, that in uh, one of the things that in, you know, everything that, that Mike just said, but but on top of that, too, that the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous are suggestions. That's that's right there. No, there, yep. there's nobody that says now, <laughs> granted, it starts off. Rarely have we seen a person fail, you know, and in the original version was we've never seen a person fail. Right, Mike? Right. He was thoroughly followed the path. Right. So, so so there is there's a path there's a there's a recipe you know they're they're showing us as our sponsor used to say how to make the cake all we got to do is follow the directions but the deal is if you choose not to do that and and it it works for you i mean it is what it is that would not work for me and i know that wouldn't work for mike but the whole point is Mm -hmm. uh, everything that mike just said about you've got to be open-minded and here's a funny thing too so i started listening to um to podcasts sobriety podcasts like a year ago in, in November, I had in, in all this time, <laughs> I had never heard the term sober curious. I had never mm-hmm. heard the term gray area. Um, there's a couple other ones that, uh, that are out there. And, and I'm like, I'm like, what is this thing? And I'm like, I'm like listening and I'm like, this is amazing. Like you just said too, um, Ashley, is that people have, there are people now that you know just realize that they don't have a and i've heard that that statement said they don't like their relationship with alcohol so they're choosing not to drink now is this a it's not necessarily the i'm in recovery i'm aa sober and that type of sobriety you know but they're still they're they're not drinking you know oh alcohol free that's a a lot of people just would rather use that term you know i had never heard of any of these things but i started telling mike like i'm a little kid i'm like did you hear about these things? <laughs> I'm like, there's, there's this whole sober curious thing. There's this gray area stuff. I'm like, I don't even fucking know what this shit is, man. So I kept listening, you know, and I know that uh, we've got a lot of followers that a lot of followers on Instagram, um, <clears throat> that are not a based. I know that for a fact, even, mm-hmm. you know, the, the small amount of followers we have on Facebook, um, uh, that are not a based, you know, so there's, there's a lot of that stuff going on out there and it's good. It's great. Yeah, so I want to pop back to something Mike said quite a while ago, but he had said, you know, he was talking about isolation, and yes, do you need a community? I 100% believe that, but can you also isolate? 100% yes, because that's how I did the beginning. For me, that's right. how I did it, because I was in an isolated situation for four months. What was I supposed to do? Like, I had to get used to everything, like letting people in again, like trusting people, a lot of people that I knew didn't even know I had a problem. So I was just like, how do I navigate this? And I needed to, and this is like a famous quote of mine. I needed to be by myself to fix myself because I couldn't do the steps with anybody else. That's a solo journey. That's a solo thing. And without the steps, 
I would never have started emotional recovery, which I continue to do, which is how I stay sober. Right. For me, right. it was emotional. And I knew that. So for right. me, oh, though, yeah. without that structure from that book, from Russell Brand, who had gone into the rooms and into meetings and had that knowledge and was like, shit, this was hard for me to understand. Let me break it down for people. And that, I mean, that's just some people want to isolate and some people can't. For me, my addiction, I'm a, I was a social person. So I knew if I did that again, I would be drinking like freaking quick. So I was like, I need to find another way to be like, I can't be this way. So I don't think isolating is a bad thing. I, when I got out of jail, I knew one person who was sober and I had specific family members, not all who were like in my corner. And I had a friend that was really supportive and then, and that was it in the beginning. And then I had, you know, all my normie friends who like knew I had an issue and were like so happy that I was choosing to not partake. So, and then I was put in shitty situations too, which if I didn't have that foundation, I, like who knows where I would be. So I'm grateful for that situation because it really did, you know, persevere, but it's a personal choice. Like I made a personal decision to never drink again on April 3rd, 2019. Right. Like, and I knew, yeah. and when I came out, uh, trust me, trust me, devil done showed up and <laughs> I was able to be like, nope, I'm all set with somebody literally sitting there, like judging me for not drinking. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And no, you know what? That's a situation that I cannot put myself in. So I need to, you know, I need to figure this shit out. And I mean, I'm glad I was put in that situation, but it doesn't mean isolating doesn't sometimes people think about isolation as okay you're alone and you have nobody in your corner that's not really what isolation is that is a mm -hmm. type of isolation absolutely but not the type that most people have right well yeah absolutely i mean you know working the steps i you know you don't you don't do it with somebody else until you get to the fifth step anyway mm -hmm. you know it's as our grand sponsor used to say he hates that term but you know <laughs> it's an inside job it's an inside job mm -hmm. we have to do the work nobody can do it for us so absolutely. I mean, yeah, when you're when you're sitting there writing your fourth step, you're doing that by yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to. And then going along with what Bill said. So right now, recently, N.A. beverages are like that's actually something that was on my list. N.A. beverages are literally just there. But the, mm -hmm. but there's like it's like a, a, a catch situation because the N.A. beverages are inside liquor stores. Right. Right. So you have to be comfortable <clears throat> enough, which takes fucking time to go into a mm. liquor store. And most liquor stores don't give a fuck and put regular beverages right like right in the middle of where they're having all their other stuff because it's the same company. So it's just like you need to be able to navigate that. But some people are saying, you know what? I don't like my relationship with alcohol, so I'm going to drink N.A. beer instead. Right. I don't like my relationship with tequila. Well, I'm going to try N.A. tequila and see because that's not it's not going to I'm not going to get drunk off of that. So it's a personal, that's a personal preference choice where there is no AA, there is no step work for these people because they're just not really liking their relationship. Where with mm -hmm. us, we were fucking addicted. So there's a big <laughs> difference. Like there's a big difference. Well, and I think you, and Mike and I have talked about it. It got brought up because we, we've been approached. Um, has it been, if, if it hasn't been three companies, it's been at least two. Um, that wanted us mm -hmm. to, to do some sort of promotion for them on any type of thing. And it was pretty early in, in our process on 
in the podcast and on Instagram. And and Mike and I actually uh, we talked about it. We're like, yeah, we can't we can't do that because um, you know what did you what did you say, Mike? You know, I mean, first of all, you don't see the point and how they could distill out you know booze to you know like beer is one thing. And you said you even like you you like the taste of beer, right, Mike? No, oh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, I like it, but I don't like it enough to to fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> There's a you thin. Know, it's a thin line, right? Yeah, right. It's a thin and, line and I, because you could drink that and they'd be like, "Oh fuck, I missed a real thing." Right? I'm going to get yeah. the real. There's a thin line, so you have to be like, you have to. It's it's hard because there's a line. And then there's like, okay, well, if I go over this line, am I going to be good? If I go over this line, am I going to be bad? And you need right. to know if you're strong enough to be able to be good. Which I think I, I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly convinced that I wouldn't have a problem with it. It wouldn't trigger me. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, I mean, yes, I like the taste, but I, I don't like it that much. Yeah. And I need to fuck around. I've got plenty of other things I can drink. That tastes just as as good or not better, and you know, I mean, I my, a big thing for me um, at the end was um, I drank vodka and grapefruit juice. You know, that was that was what I put down me at the end, and um, I I have no desire to drink grapefruit juice anymore, just because. Eh, why? <laughs> I can super relate to that. So I. I would do like vodka and white grapefruit juice because I, mm -hmm. I ran restaurants for a long time. So that's, I liked it. So that's what I would stock. And right. I literally cannot drink seltzer and grapefruit juice together Yeah, because right. I'm like super, I'm like, what the fuck? This is like, yeah. I'm like, right. I'm like, whoa, I feel like it's bad. So, but for us, so our story with the NA stuff is a lot different than your guys is. So I wanted to try it. My, I didn't even know it existed. And then when I found out it existed, I was like, damn, that's kind of cool, but that's kind of tricky. And then I met my husband and then we like kind of talked about it. I was like, I really want to try it. And he's like, I'm just really scared. I really mm -hmm. want you to respect that. I don't want you to do that. So right. I was like, I, I get it. And that was him like looking out for my sobriety and not wanting me to have to do a bunch of shit all over again. So I really no, respected that. And then Looking for out for his own ass too. He's not <laughs> yeah. to deal with you. And then... <laughs> and then their Christmas came and our neighbor knew we were both sober. Mm -hmm. So she gave us NA wine. So Matt, we kind of looked at it and we were like, all right, let's try it. Like it's Christmas, like whatever. We were about to go to Iceland. We're like, well, all right, let's try it. We, so we poured it and we both took one sip and looked at each other and was like, whoa, like, cause it tasted so much like real wine. Hmm. We looked at each other like this could be really air quote triggering to people because <laughs> mm -hmm. because it's like it tastes so much like the real thing and then then we did that and then we were good and then we went to iceland where they have zero percent na stuff in russia like everywhere it's like a very popular thing in europe so hmm. we had gone to like this spa and they had it so we drank it and we tried it and matt and i were like wow this shit is really really good and it didn't for us that didn't taste like we were good since that first time so we drank some during our trip there and then we came home and like, we're on the hunt for it because we were like, it's so good. <laughs> like, this is great. And so we part partook in that like on and off for a while. And then, and then we kind of entered like a weird phase. So then, so then um, I, I was like, 
I take like time for myself in the morning because I isolated a lot. So I like to still isolate in the morning and kind of have my mm-hmm. routine. And my husband <laughs> gives me that space. Both of us are the same so, way. <laughs> yeah. So, so he, so I go out into the living room. It's 10 a.m. and he's drinking an NA beer. And I look at him and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing right now? And so I know enough of his story to know that that's what he did when he was in addiction. Right. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep an eye on this. So then I just noticed that like we were reaching for that and not seltzer, that and not water, that. So then I was like, hmm, okay, this is not okay. And I feel like this is like a tricky situation. So I said, I like had a conversation with my husband. I was like, I think we just need to take like a break and create some boundaries. And really like if we really want it on like holidays and special events, absolutely. But other than that, I think we need to stop. I'm like, you were drinking a beer at 10 a.m. That's okay. <laughs> so, and I noticed it about myself too. And I used to love like getting different kinds of seltzers and like things like that. And so I just kind of, I, I was like, no, we don't have to do this anymore. Like we're good. And like I said, it's a tricky situation because you have to go into a liquor store. And sometimes I'd go in and like go for it and I'd be good. And sometimes I'd go in and be like, Oh, I used to drink that. 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 And it's just weird. And then I would think like, what if somebody fucking sees me? Right. Right. Are they going to be like, Oh, Ash is not sober anymore. She was in the liquor store. So it's just like, for us, it just wasn't working out. And honestly, the price difference between that and real alcohol is ridiculous. So Sam came out with a NA drink. um, And it was $12.99 for a six pack. For their 18 pack of their of the alcoholic version of that same drink, 18, 12 <laughs> And Matt and I looked at each other like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why? And then we like, and that came to mind too. I was like, we're spending too much fucking money on something that doesn't even have alcohol. Like, this is just not okay. So I just noticed patterns and I wasn't happy with them. So I just communicated with him and we both decided, you know what? We don't need this. Like there's no, there's no point. So, well, I mean, if you, (laughs) if you, if you find yourself having to control anything, um, (laughs) you're probably out of control. Yeah. (laughs) You know, same can go with ice cream and and whatever else you're, you're ingesting. Right. I'm I'm doing too much of this. Maybe I, maybe I need to think about it. Yeah. Maybe you do. Well, and with um, when it comes to liquor stores and things like that, I just don't. I, I wouldn't go into a liquor store to buy my soda. You know the um, yeah. The only time that I would, I mean, literally, if I was out in the middle of like fucking nowhere, and that was the only place that I could grab a you know a twelve pack of Diet Coke, I would do that. You know, but but beyond that, um, I mean, so that that's the one thing. But the other thing too is that I don't see the you know kind of like Mike was talking about. I mean, I I don't see the point of if I had a uh, in NA whatever, and let, let's just go with beer because it's the it's the easiest thing, you know. To if I was walking around with a bottle of of beer, sooner or later I know for a fact I, I'd want the real thing. It's like decaf coffee, and it, Mike and I joke about this. It's the the meme that I posted, <laughs> you know, trying to find a hooker that wants to cuddle. It just doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, like Mike said, there's plenty of other things that that we can enjoy out there. And that, that made me laugh about, <laughs> it doesn't have alcohol, but he's drinking an NA beer at 10 o'clock in the morning. I'd, 
Yeah. I mean, and again, to, to you, maybe you're, again, my air quotes, you're normal individual. That wouldn't be a big deal, you know, but maybe it would. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely not our thing. And we had, we had talked about that too. So, hey, if there's, <coughs> if there's people out there that can, that can and do drink NA drinks and it gives them no issues of thinking I would rather have the real thing to get messed up, more power to you. I don't care. You know, I, I'm not, it's not a judgment thing for either Mike or I, you know, we talked about that too. So it's just uh, yeah, choice. Definitely. Mm-hmm, definitely. And like I said, it's, it's that though, that's trending right now. Right. It's like, everybody wants to try it, but it's like, and I've not, I've not heard of a story of relapse surrounding it. I have heard of people terrified to do it because they're terrified. They will. Right. So, and I think there's different stages personally, of a relapse, right? It's just like you just don't like find yourself in the area where you need to pick up. You it's it's it goes through your mind. It circles through your mind first. So and I think that's why emotional sobriety and regular sobriety really are like they coexist with each other because they go together. Right. People say oh, you will yeah, emotionally definitely. relapse before you will physically relapse. So when you're oh. emotionally in that state, you need to be like, whoa, let me back the fuck up. Let me figure out what the hell's going on. And why am I having these thoughts? And for me, my situation was just so bad that as soon as I think about alcohol, I remember something. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, well, we can't, we can't fucking do that. And then right, it goes yeah. back and forth, you know? So it's, it's, you know, a tricky situation. So one thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is relationships. So Mike is with a normie. Um, mm-hmm. I am not. I my husband is sober, so but very different story. Um, but he was six months. And actually, sober when actually, real quick, I was over a year. let's let's pause on that since we're going to jump jump a different topic there. Um, this is a sure. probably a perfect time for us to to take a quick break. Mike, if you want to lead us out, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, stay tuned. We're going to be back in just one moment after this brief announcement from our sponsor. Hey everyone, it's your friends at Sober Not Mature. Have you visited our website lately? If not, it's www.sobernotmature.com. While you're there, you can listen to all of our episodes or find links to where our episodes can be played, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. We do have a blog page for some of the writings that we've done. We've got a web store where you can take a look at all of our merchandise, buy yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie, maybe even a mug. You can see our review section where you can actually leave a review or see what people have been saying about us. You can check out our sponsor page. We've got a contact page. Basically, any opportunities that we have to contact or interact with us are on our website. Also, you can buy us a coffee or you can just find other ways to support the podcast. Visit us today at www.sobernotmature.com. All right, everyone, welcome back. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was a that was a good place to take a break. And Mike, nice job again. Yep. You know, with with, yeah. with company in the room, <laughs> our new friend in the room. Every once in a while, he'll uh, he'll mess up these. <laughs> it's just something as simple. He did it the the first time he did it with the now a word from our sponsor. It made me laugh because I wasn't expecting it. So then I'm like I'm like you know you need to do that from now on, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So sometimes he just, yeah. he kind of cheeses it up a little bit, but um, but so. Yeah, so we we kind of we're, we're so we're done with the we were talking about the NA 
I think we're all pretty much on the same page with that, um, you know, yeah. as far as, but uh, not a judgmental thing, but it's really not our deal for any, any of the three of us, obviously four, including your husband. So you start. <laughs> and we're talking about non-alcoholic stuff, not narcotics anonymous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Yeah. I probably should have made, should have made that clear. <laughs> See, and, the, and this is the reason that, uh, that Mike, Mike and I hang out together because he'll jump in. He's like, you realize what you just said? Like, didn't mean it that way. <laughs> but okay, right. okay. So Ashley, you were, you're starting to talk about um, relationships. So yes, you said Mike is with a normie. You're with an individual that's sober. So let's start again from there. Sure. And then Bill, I don't know what your situation is. Oh, messed so up. I He's think a you're player. <laughs> I think you're with somebody, but I'm not 100% sure. No. So I don't want to assume. Nope, I'm not. But uh, no. yeah, no. So the, the thing of it is, in the well, you know, let's get back to me. You go into your part of it. Uh, the thing of it is, no, I just said he's a player. <laughs> um, I, I am. I'm in the field, ladies. Uh, I'm single, just in case anyone cares. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you know, just message us the whole bit. Yeah. I like long walks on the beach and, you know. <laughs> sober not mature at gmail.com. No, it's info at sober not mature.com. Whatever. <laughs> just whatever. You, you... Just Instagram. He's quick to respond to Instagram, ladies. So just go to Instagram. Yeah, if, if, any, <laughs> if anyone wants, if anyone seriously wants to Instagram stalk me, I'm cool about it, man. Yeah. That's I'm good for it. If you're bored, he's your guy. <laughs> That's, you know what? I'm going to change. I'm going to change that on, on the dating profiles that I'm on. If you're, if you're bored, I'm your man. There we go. Ashley, thank you. you go. Hang on. I, I got to write that down. Up. If you're bored, I'm your So guy. anyway, Ashley, while he's doing that. Yeah, so my, so what I would love to know about, your story, Mike, is like kind of mm -hmm. from the beginning. Did you only date this one normie that you're with now, or did you kind of like jump around and date like sober people, non-sober people, or clean people and non-clean people? And how did that work? Well, um, you know, it's suggested that we wait a year before we get mm -hmm. into a relationship. Uh, I waited five years, and nice. um, yeah, <laughs> I suppose wasn't all that great. Uh, <laughs> Depending on which level of nice we're speaking about. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and then um, I um, got into a thing online uh, with um, a person in California who we had a bunch of mutual friends. Um, she said she was, I'm going to try to keep this as quick as possible. Uh, she said she was sober. Uh, turns out she wasn't. She moved to Cleveland, moved in with me. It was a goddamn mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and that lasted, I, I don't know, uh, six months, maybe something like that. Um, she had to go. She did go. Um, and my sponsor said, look, man, you know, I know this sucks, but you clearly are ready to try to be in a relationship get back out there so i did um i met my current girlfriend we've been together for uh six and a half years and um we met on tinder <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> swipe right y'all swipe right yep, we did and um <laughs> you know and we took it slow um i am not her first drunk i am her first sober drunk um and um yeah, you know, she, we took it slow. Um, she actually, uh, in the beginning, went, nah, I can't fucking do this. And I stuck with her because I knew that there was something there. And um, yeah, six and a half years later, we mm. are still together. Uh, we do not live together. Uh, and I think that helps. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's we've 
got a great relationship and um, I don't see it going anywhere. Yeah. You know, she respects my sobriety. She, um, she's, <laughs> she's very grateful for my sobriety. Like I said, she, uh, <laughs> I'm not her first drunk. I'm not her first drug addict. She's had a lot of those in her life and um, she appreciates me doing the work to keep myself sober, which helps a lot. Well, and, and I'm going to just, uh, as a sideline here, um, and her name is Chris. We had her, we had her on, um, that was again, mid, mid twenties, as far as the, the episode number, um, uh, Chris is mm-hmm. number one. She's fucking awesome. I love her to death. Um, you know, <laughs> I really, I do, you know, I, I adore her, but the, the other thing right. that's cool is, um, you know, that she's as close to being, and again, one of us as anyone, mm-hmm. and she's part of everything, part of all of our groups, our sober group. She's friends with all of our friends. She does the benefits mm-hmm. and the, the charity things that we do. Um, she's all fucking in with all this stuff, which is cool right. in a sense. You know, I mean, that that part's cool, obviously, but just as an individual, I mean, she's wonderful. So, yep. Thank you. So now that that goes with something where when you're in a relationship with somebody who's not sober, right? And right. you have you like Mike, you're with a person who you didn't have to explain or try to get them to understand you because they already did. They already mm-hmm. saw it themselves and experienced it. So her compassion and empathy for your situation right. was much different than a normal person would be because she had been mm-hmm. like kind of in the middle of that. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. She seen all the bad uh aspects of what this disease is Mm -hmm. and she gets to see the good aspects of the solution to that disease (laughs) she's like this this can actually be shiny and wonderful (laughs) yeah (laughs) but the um just real quickly in the in the time that uh that i've been that i've been sober and i've i've been around and i've dated and i've hung out with people that have been um sober and people that have not been sober the people that I've hung out with that are, you know, that have not been sober, not big drinkers, people that didn't drink around me. Um, I knew that if they were, you know, out with family or whatever, they might have a drink. But I, I was, I haven't been in a long-term relationship where I've had to deal with that on either end. Um, but I did have two people, you know, that were that were sober and then were not uh, when I was hanging out with them. You know, so those are those are tough situations to deal with, you know, people that you, that you care about on any level, you know, in, in a relationship. But I, I pretty much come down to the fact that, uh, you know, in, in less that I don't think I could be in a long, well, not even think, I know for a fact, I could not be in a long-term relationship with somebody who drinks normally. Um, no offense to them. If they can, you know, like Mike mm-hmm. always says, you know, if you can, can have some drinks and get up and, you know, not hurt people and take care of your kids, more power to you. But that's not my thing. You know, so it would, I know for a fact over time, it would, it, I know it would bother me. I just, I wouldn't be able to, to tolerate, you know, even, even every once in a while, something get loaded. And Mike and I said that before, we don't want to deal with ourselves, you know, right. <laughs> because <Yeah>. our, our <laughs> old selves, I, I, I don't want to date somebody that, you know, acted like, acts like I used to fuck that, man. <laughs> right. Now, Mike, I will assume that Chris does not drink. Um, no, I mean, she'll have, <laughs> and I make fun of her. She'll have half a glass of wine a couple of times a year and, you know, she'll have that half a glass of wine go, Ooh, I'm starting to feel it. I need to stop, <laughs> which we completely don't understand. Yeah. 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 yeah no, but so, basically, basically she doesn't drink. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I'll explain my situation a little bit. I dated a few people before I dated my husband. So I dated a friend of mine who had seen me 
before my addiction, during my addiction, and then obviously seeing me sober. So mm -hmm. we started to date. Um, I don't ever recommend dating your friends. I don't think it ever, ever turns <laughs> out the way that you want it to. And although he had like a lot, I, I think it was the first perfect relationship, like first relationship sober because there was a lot of space and distance. There was a lot of like me being able to like be by myself. And so for that, I respected, but he did that because we were friends. He knew me. So there's right. a different aspect, but that also turned into me not getting enough of what I needed in a relationship as well. So that ended. And then I went on like maybe two dates. Um, I hated online dating. I didn't like doing it. Um, I wanted to meet. Some, I'm very like old soul, old fashioned. I wanted to meet somebody the normal way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? The universe is going to do what it's going to do or whatever. So then a couple weeks later, I was with my friend and she... I was like joking. I was like, I need a man. Like, what is going on? And she was like, I know one person who's single. So she was like, okay. She was like, yeah, it's my friend Matt, blah, blah, blah. She was, I'll message him. And like, he was in the middle of golfing. His first response was, I'm not interested. Didn't like see anything. Like literally was like, no. And he had been single for 16 years. Wow. Yeah. So he, he had dated like two people. And like very short term and like just didn't like them and didn't want to move forward. And like after a few months was like, no, nah, I'm good. So then he came back later when he was home and was like, why do you think we would get along? And so she, you know, said what she said or whatever. And he was like, okay, well, let me like Facebook stalk her because that's what people do. <laughs> and um, so he went on there. And so I'm a huge Yankees fan. My husband is a huge Red Sox fan. So the first thing he saw was he yeah. talking really like you've known me for like decades and this is who you pick. Like, and then, um, and then he like started seeing stuff and he was like, oh my God, she's beautiful. Like, and he was like, okay. He was like, I'll, I'll talk to her. So then I'm not like a middleman dealer kind of person. It just aggravates me. So I was like, I'm just going to message him on Facebook because she had screenshot me like what he was saying. So I was like, okay, let's just like talk and see what happens. We had no idea the other one was sober. No idea. No. Right. And I wasn't really in a place where I had decided like, oh, I could or couldn't be around somebody who drank. Like I wasn't really, I had never experienced that. So I was just like, well, I don't know. And then we it's like this story that we tell so we messaged i had plans that day he wanted to like literally meet that day and i was like oh can we do tomorrow i have plans with a friend today and we met uh now mind you i don't i didn't drive so i had to like i had to tell him part of myself because <laughs> mm -hmm. like he had to drive an hour to where i lived we lived an hour apart so he drove to where i lived and we went on a hike and then we went to lunch and then we went to like a green and kind of talked. And then I went home. We were together for eight hours. So we kind of like after that, we kind of were like, okay, we want to see each other again. Like we know that he literally called his mom and was like, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is like, she like, this is legit. Like, and his, his family tried to get him like not to go. He was like, oh my God, don't do this. Like whatever. And he was like, no, no, whatever. What do I have to lose? Um, and then, so we had to see each other. We only saw each other, you know, we saw each other every weekend because we couldn't see each other during the week. Well, my husband was not used to being in any kind of a relationship with another person. So like, mm -hmm. he wouldn't talk to me like all day. And I was just like, this is weird. 
And so I would talk to my friend. I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't even know if he likes me because he's literally not talking to me for like 13 hours. Like what is going on? So it was a lot of like learning how to like date again and doing all of that. And then he opened up to me about like his stuff really early on. And I just told him, I'm like, I need you to respect that. I just need some time. Cause I couldn't even really open up to a lot of my friends, let alone this person I didn't meet. I just met. So it took a little bit of time and I told him and like his response was just like so perfect. Like I was like, I felt so safe and it just kind of worked from there. And I mean, there's been a lot of learning. We were both single for a very long time. I was not single as long as he was, but it was a long time. Our our ages were completely different. Um, I'm 35. My husband's 48. So there's a big gap. So there were like a lot of heavy conversations, like literally the first day. So, you know, we had those and we figured those out. And then he was driving back and forth, you know, to come get me and bring me home. And, um, and I just, like, I kind of knew from the beginning, like this just, he, I feel like he's, his soul is like the other half of mine. Like, it's just weird, but he, his drinking story was so different that that made me nervous. Cause I was like, how would I, I don't want alcohol in my home. I don't want to be around it if I don't have to. Right. So like, how do I navigate that? And he, his friend had told me like, he'd been like, he would stop for six months and then start and then stop and then start and then stop and start. And I was like nervous for the starting again. And mm-hmm. so I had to have like a really serious conversation. I'm like, if you wanted to drink, would you tell me like, what does that look like for you? And he said he had no desire, but again, I knew that he had been very back and forth and his trouble wasn't like legal, you know, I'll slightly tell what he did. He, he, a friend of his lived with him for a month while his friend and his friend's wife were like kind of going through a little bit of a rough patch and they, he, like, she came to pick him up and he was going to go back home and his friend had seen how he drank and how fast and how much. And they had a very tough conversation with him and they were like, you're really lonely. You're depressed but you need to not drink. And mm-hmm. so what he did was, is he drank for a week and instead of putting the bottles like in the recycling bin, he put them on the counter when he saw how many bottles were on the counter at the end of the week. He was like, I have a problem. I need to stop. Mm. Yeah. If I ever, if I ever saved, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any room to live. Right. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing too, that, uh, you know, the, the, the interesting part with with all of that is, like you said, that I mean, people get people have different stories and, and different backgrounds. But that that would be that would have been probably my my biggest concern too. And and again, now having two people that I that I hung out with who were sober, and um, you know, not everyone had the. Well, I guess the one person had about the same amount of time that I I had at that time. There was no guarantees in any of this. And and you had mentioned mm-hmm. about right. not relapsing, um, Ashley. I haven't relapsed yet and i always say yet and it's it's hugely important for me that to add that because um i mean i i know for a fact that you know i'm just i'm no better than anyone else i mean just because mike and i are coming up on you know 13 years sober it's cool and we value every day and we're super fucking proud of our time um mm-hmm. but the the amount of work that went through for us to get to this point literally will be gone with one drink 
everything, mm-hmm. fucking all yeah. of it. And it's not going to happen everything. slowly. It's going to happen right away. I mean, I'm not going to stick around and just start drinking in front of my family again. I know Mike's not going to stick around and start drinking in front of Chris and our family <laughs> again. It's not going to happen nope. that way. We can't. We can't be those people anymore around the people that love and care about us, you know? So um, I, I think that's a valid concern and, <laughs> and a valid conversation to have with with anyone going into stuff like that, you know? So, ladies, Bill is looking for a sober woman. Sober woman. <laughs> well, and again, if we're talking about a long-term relationship, there's me yeah. There's me being a pig. I had to do that at least once. Because that's what, what my, uh, and my daughter says it every once in a while. Because here, oh, So here's the other funny part. So you just mentioned the age difference. So one of the other things I thought was, I thought we'd end up getting in conversation anyhow. You brought up your age, so I was going to bring it up. So Mike is 55. I'm 54. You're 35, you know? So, yeah. and I think that's cool that even just this conversation up to this point, that, you know, the, the mindsets that we have, they're, they're a little different, no doubt, you know, from your path versus ours and that sort of thing. But the, the age difference when it comes to this, this whole sobriety thing, it fascinates me um, how how everyone can be on the same level from that, from that age group, you know, or from different age groups, which mm-hmm. is, which is really cool. And I think that, uh, I mean, there's been times when, and I can't think of anyone in particular, Mike, but we've, there's people that we've known that are, you know, 20 years older than us um, that were like, mm-hmm. damn, this person's got either, either they're super structured or they've got a completely different mindset, but on the same path, you know, so it's just, it's just kind of cool, you know, with the, I don't know, we're, we're all on the same path, but Mike's got a daughter that's 37. I've got a daughter that's 35. And I, and I joke with my daughter all the time. I'm like, I said, how young can I, how young can I go when I date? <laughs> yeah. and, and she just looks at me and all the time. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's been, it's been a, an inside joke with us for years and years, but I mess with her all the time. She mentioned that one of her friends had just gotten divorced. This was over Thanksgiving that they were down. I forget whenever the hell it was. <laughs> she was down here. We're sitting at a table. Um, no, was it? I was. I'm sorry. It was mom's funeral, um, mm. and she had uh, she said something about. She's like, oh yeah, my friends, uh, you know, just recently divorced. And I I looked at her, and she's like, no. <laughs> and I'm just again, I'm just messing around with her. But uh, so, what do you think? And again, knowing the and I know you know people that are you know obviously of different age groups and, and mm-hmm. sobriety. Um, do you? How do you feel like, uh, or do you see a difference in the mindset maybe of people that are, you know, your age versus versus our age? And are you seeing any of that stuff that blends, or is, you know, do you do you not think along the same lines, or how do you feel about the age differences in a sobriety standpoint? Yeah. So my one sober friend that I had was in his late forties. He's his, I think he's like a couple years older than my husband Okay. and him and I like it's, we, we worked together a few times. And so it was interesting because we'd seen each other also on like such a different level. And he did AA for 90 days. And then he, he did, I'm assuming the same book that you guys are talking about every day. Right. And then I was actually, when I, before I entered addiction, when I was a normie for a short period of time, I dated somebody who was in recovery from NA. So I didn't drink around him. I respected like his space and he went to NA and I would go to meetings with him sometimes. And it was just a very interesting setting. And I, I created a very, understanding atmosphere around that i'm an empathetic person anyway but it was interesting and what i've seen the most is that more 
of the people who are a lot older do need need and have done NA or AA and have that structure and have that routine for themselves every morning where I think a lot of the younger people that I know, it's half and half. Half of them have gone to AA and half of them have figured it out and done whatever they've done. And there is a different mindset because the younger people that I do talk to just say that there's a disconnection for them in AA, that it's just for older people and that there's not a lot of younger people in the rooms and like all this different stuff, which obviously probably during COVID changed because obviously the room, you're not just going to have older people. You do have younger people that do attend meetings. So I think the biggest difference would be that I think the mindset is a lot different. The mindset is, okay, I can't do this by myself, but maybe I can do this with other people like me. And I think that's where that goes. And there's an understanding between two people. And I think when in it with older people, I don't think they're as like crazily outgoing as younger people. So younger people tend to like have no inhibitions, like just don't care. They'll be friends with everybody and let people in. And I do kind of feel like older people have a little bit more of a problem. This is just my experience with people I've talked to in recovery. So well, but, and, so and, like, and even it, when I think it just depends, even when we got sober, I mean, you know, again, you know, you figure it wasn't that long ago. I mean, honestly, 2010, but you know, the, it, the technology that's, that's happened in the last, you know, 13 years. And I mean, not that there wasn't, you know, Facebook and Instagram and all social media and all this in the internet, of course, obviously was around, but the, the tools that people have that are literally at their fingertips these days, you know, it, there's a huge difference, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's a huge difference and, and I'll agree with that because we were, we were taught a certain structure and it works for us. And that's what we continue, continue to do, you know, but again, these people, you know, these folks that we have, as far as, you know, the, the community of people on Instagram, there's a ton of people that are, that have been sober for, you know, a longer periods of time that don't necessarily do have the same structure. But, you know, I think we've kind of talked about that, what, what works for us sort of thing And Mike, I mean, take a look at the, like our, our old home group, all the guys that sit mm-hmm. in the back, um, you know, they have completely, I won't say completely, but, different mindsets than us. Absolutely. Wouldn't you say? Oh, sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, um, again, man, whatever works for you, you know, (laughs) you know, I, again, I don't want anybody telling me how to work my program. I'm sure as hell not going to tell anybody else how to work theirs, you know, and and that's the difference. Like you talked about earlier, Ashley, that guy who, you know, tore into you because you, here's another air quote, not doing it right. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just, that's just bullshit. You know, if, um, if what you're, everybody's got structure. You've talked about different structure, but everybody's got a certain amount of structure. We have to. And if we're, if we're staying within that structure and working some sort of a program, no matter what that program is, we get the results. That's, that's the bottom line. You know, uh, if you're a real alcoholic, you're a real drug addict, you really have this disease we need to do certain things to combat that that disease and if we don't the disease wins period mm-hmm. it's just that simple so yeah you know if you're doing something to to treat the disease great that's all that matters right mm-hmm. you know and if you're not doing those things then you're not treating it and again the disease will win <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, that was just kind of curious. And the, the other thing too, and I guess stepping back to when when I'd asked you about like the area of the country you're in. So Cleveland, um, you know, is, uh, 
clearly not that far from from Akron, you know, 30, 40 minutes from, you know, the birthplace of Alcoholics Anonymous. And Cleveland is big, um, you know, as far as meetings and AA and instructor and all those sort of things. And when it comes to different meetings, and this is the cool part, and this is why it it started to blow my mind when I heard from folks like like Christine and, and yourself and some of these other people that we've that we've connected with on Instagram that have had these weird experiences and it's usually females and younger females that have mm-hmm. had those those experiences. Right. Um, we just we don't we never experienced that in Cleveland. Cleveland's got such a good program of of people and from a from a women's standpoint there's all women's meetings there's there's for different races genders backgrounds sexual orientations all mm-hmm. age groups men's only meetings women's only meetings and some super cool people you know so um, i i know both mike still lives in cleveland obviously but i mean both of us consider ourselves to be uh, i mean super fortunate to have had that available to us oh yeah not only then but you know still it's cool Oh, that sounds amazing. Like I said, if I could have driven around and found a different area, I don't know what that would have looked like and how that would have been. And, you know, and that, that was, I mean, I didn't drive for four years. So, you know, that's a long time. So it's, it's difficult to say what it would be like. I have a ton of friends I've met on Instagram who literally love, going to their meetings right Mm -hmm. and you know and then you have obviously some people who just are on a different you know a different path of that and really just they they can't see outside the box they just see white and black right so and i'm not talking about obviously race i'm talking about just being able like where you're seeing like not being able to go outside the lines i'm an outside of the lines person so it's and i was raised by people who aren't so it's so i love that i'm that way you know so but as far as like addiction goes too so my so my dad was in recovery i only know stories i've never i never saw my dad intoxicated my entire life and he i guess my mom told me he got into a lot of trouble i was a baby he got sober he got duis did some what I was like weekend community service at that time. And then, you know, rode a bike back and forth to work. They lived really close to where he worked. And that's all I knew about it. My dad wasn't open about it. I wish he was way more open than he was at the time. Mm-hmm. And my uncle was a super, super bad alcoholic. Like it was bad. He would like beat my aunt. He would beat her son was older. So he would like beat him. And it was, it was just bad. Like I never wanted to be like that. So I didn't drink until I was like 26. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, and then I drank normally maybe for a year until like my life just hit the fucking fan and I was done. So it's, it's just a matter of, I think what you do. And then I have like my brothers who I was, I'm the oldest. So I have like my, like one of my two younger brothers telling me that like my dad was drunk for a year. Like I would fucking remember that. Like I was older than all of them. So, and it's, I don't, I can't, you know, a lot of people know my dad passed. So I can't ask him, but I know personally, like he never drank. And I remember in 2017, he came here and he told me that he tried like drinking like O'Doul's and it di- just, he didn't like it. Like it wasn't, 
it didn't do anything for him. So he never did that. And I don't know if that was his way of being like, Hey, don't even try that. I mean, I was in my addiction at that point. So I don't know if he was, I don't know what he was trying to do. Right. But then I found out that he'd been like drinking like a normal person for two years before he passed away. I didn't know that. Somebody, one of his friends was like, Ken would want you to have a beer. I'm like, I 100% know that my dad would not want me to drink that. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, what? like, what are you talking about? Like, I 100% know. Like, no, there's no way. So it's just, I mean, I think it depends on, and that's where my, my belief and how I had this disease comes from. I believe 50% of it is genetic and I believe 50% of it is not. So, and right. that's my belief because of, I had two my uncle on my mom's side, my dad, and like, and then I had this other part of me. So um, I think it goes, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why people have the disease and how, and I think a lot of it has to do with the mind. So it's, and that's my belief, which is why that's how I targeted it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I tackled it in my own story. So mm -hmm. I think that, and my husband, like literally had has perfect parents literally his parents are mm. angels like i love them <laughs> to death like they are amazing and like he had no trauma like not zero right well Mike, no, nobody in his family that has ever suffered from addiction but he was an alcoholic and you, you know and you've talked about the genetic side of it mike you think you think that right. uh, you know from from your side you think it's you were born to be that way pretty much right Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, most of my family were alcoholics, and that's fine, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah, it, it, well, again, you know, and I know normies whose families were alcoholics, and they just don't. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, like you said, it's it's about 50-50. Yes, it's definitely genetic in me. It's also definitely, um, you know, I, I wanted to get loaded, man. <laughs> I wanted to get loaded ever since I can remember. Um, yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's me. You know, no matter the cause, I am what I am. I am an alcoholic. And um, again, I have to do certain things to treat my disease. That's, that's, uh, I can, <laughs> you know, I can, I go, it was this, it was that, you know, my mommy didn't wipe my ass right when I was six <laughs> months old. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm a drunk. Uh, I like to drink. I like the effects of alcohol. I like the effects of drugs. And um, that's what I am. And I don't have a choice in the matter. So move on. <laughs> well, and that's uh, in when we had, when Mike and I had talked about it. And uh, my, my, my dad was an alcoholic, uh, died sober with 29 years sober. Um, we had an uncle, you know, that had, that had passed as a, is a direct result of his actions based on this disease. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so my, my opinion when I, when I first got sober is I, I just pretty much decided that, and I'm like, I don't, I don't care uh, what got me here. You know, but I, I know what I am and I know there's a solution and <clears throat> I'm part of it, you know, and one of the things that I've got, a have got a son that's 22 years old and I've been extremely open with him from the start, you know, just saying that just because of, of my dad, just because of me doesn't mean you, but if nothing else, you got, you got to be mindful of it, you know, mm -hmm. and my, my daughter, you know, no issues with alcohol, our, our sister, no issues with alcohol, you know, so 
who knows you know what what and why but yeah that's that's why i wanted mike to explain that because he's he puts it pretty pretty clearly and pretty bluntly all the time and i i was like that yeah and it's just it's the easiest way to put it it's just yeah i mean really what it comes down i never drank normally i just wanted to get buzzed up man and if i yep. you know to go back to the whole na thing sooner or later if i have if i have that na beer or na drink in my hand and i get this Roofy little thing looking like a like a margarita or whatever it is. I'm gonna be like, this is doing nothing for me. Give me the real shit, you know. And mm-hmm. it's just it, it. That's the way I am. I know I am. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I think that would be another difference between younger people in recovery and older people in recovery would be. I think that so. I think that the way that how they're, I want to say this, right. The way they're take like what they're doing with mental health and trauma and triggers and all that and PTSD, all the, all the things and the way that it, it, in reality, like taking responsibility for your actions, like taking responsibility for your life. I think there's mm-hmm. like this big ridiculous area for it because I think people go very extreme and like try to blame everything on their shit and like you keep like you're your own person you need to either get out of your shit figure out how to deal with your shit or you're gonna be (laughs) fucked right so like people trying to blame things on triggers people like i hate that i have to put trigger warning at the beginning of some of my episodes like i think that is bullshit like i think that's dumb like you you have a situation right and you have to deal with it i had a super traumatic childhood but i deal with that with my therapist do I share some of the things sometimes? Sure. But it's not like I'm sitting here and I'm blaming it. And I'm like, I'm always going to be this way because of X, Y, and Z. Like, no, it's my job as a human being to figure out how to deal with it. Right. And not, and not go back and blame something on it. Like, can it be blamed for that? Sure. I guess. But you also have to figure out if you're going to fix it or not. So I yeah. think there's like this very thin line where it's the, it's in this era where it's just like it's too much, like it's too like it's just too much. Like so, I guess that's where I differ and have more of an older soul because I just, I mean, you gotta. I had to work through my shit. I didn't. I couldn't give it as an excuse of why I couldn't fucking go to work. Like right. I can't. You can't. Like how do you do? Like how? Like I just can't even like that's a a gap for me because it's like, you still have to go and like figure your stuff out. Like you can't just sit there on that, you know, it's alcoholic. It's true alcoholic behavior to say nothing is my fault. Yep. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And so, you know, again, that, that walking in a different direction, I had to go 180 degrees and say, everything is my fault. Mm -hmm. Even the shit that isn't my fault is my fault. Yeah. And so how do I fix it? Right. It's, you know, yes, my mother being drunk and psychologically abusing me is my fault. (laughs) You know, and it's fine. It's fine. You know, yes, she had her problems. She had her demons. I forgive her. That's what that whole eighth step was about. Um, I forgive the people that hurt me and um, and and move on and move on. Everything that's bad in my life is my fault and I need to fix it. No one else can. And my life is infinitely better because I think that way today. Yeah, but also going with that. So I don't remember a lot of things. You know, supposedly, I don't know, my mind is protecting myself and it's blocked mm-hmm. it out, whatever. So I had said to my therapist, because a lot of people in recovery do EMDR therapy. And um, 
recently, like the past year, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping. So I was contemplating doing it even though I didn't want to do it. And I had a conversation with her about it. And I was like, well, how do you target a memory if I have none? Like, I remember very seldom things. And she was like, it would be really difficult. So my thing is, is like, okay, so I asked her, I said, so I could have been two years old. My dad was a loud person in general, and he did yell. And so, okay, so my dad yelled at me when I was two, and that's my first memory as a child. And could that be why my memories are blocked out? She said, absolutely, 100% yes. So that's me. That's something I, as a child, I, in my mind, correlate that as a traumatic whatever and Mm. blocked everything in my childhood out. So I wouldn't have to relive each of those moments, right? So that's, that's my fault. It's nobody else's fault, right? right? Like my dad was a loud person in general. Maybe he yelled because I fucking pissed him off. I was two and probably an (laughs) asshole. And then, but how is my response to that is my fault. So me not having memories technically is my fault. And I can figure out if I want to really broach those memories or not. But you know what I mean? So it's, it is, I can see that, Mike. I can see that side of it because really like, like I just explained, like most people would be like, well, that's my dad's fault. I don't think that's my dad's fault. No, because that yeah, was my exactly. response. Like, not all of my brothers. Like, some of my brothers can't remember stuff, but some of them remember everything. And the beautiful thing about doing this and living this way is, I live today. I live right mm-hmm. now. I live in the moment. You yeah. know, I don't care what fucking happened forty years ago. It yeah. doesn't matter. It happened. It's great. Whatever, or it's bad, or indifferent. Um, right now. I'm sitting here talking with you guys and it's pretty good. Right. You know, I'm in my nice warm house. I'm looking out the window at the snow here in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, <laughs> l- life is good, man. You know, I could sit there and focus on bad shit or I could sit here and focus on what's going to happen tomorrow. Ooh, is it going to be, you know, who cares right now, right now, my life is good. And I'm grateful for that. And that's all that matters. I can't control yep. what happened, what's going to happen tomorrow. And I sure as hell can't change what happened yesterday. Right now. It's beautiful. I think people have, that's where some people have an issue, right? Mm, And that's where you create like this really weird, careful bubble with people because there are some people who cannot do that. Like I can do that. Mike can do that. But not a lot of people can do something. A lot of people, they can. They they can. Everybody can. can. Yeah, Yeah, they don't. (laughs) Yeah, they they can't. They won't. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so they, much. They're, they're more. It's it's easier for them to blame other people to not yep. take responsibility. 100%, of course, yeah. yeah. It was for me for decades of my life. Yeah, it was much easier. Unfortunately, or fortunately, the cool thing is I do take responsibility for myself, and actually, this is easier. It takes work and it's hard, but it's mm-hmm. easier in the long run. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. what that's what I was actually going to say, Mike. Is that it is it's it's easier to to point the finger at, at somebody else. And the the hardest part I know for both of us getting sober was realizing uh, our part in all these things. When and, mm-hmm. and Mike said it perfectly, you know, forgiving the people that that harmed us is probably um, and still is to this day. You know, can can be one of the most difficult things to deal mm-hmm. with. So, but um, yeah, it's difficult. But once you get on the other side of it, it's fucking beautiful, man. Oh, mm-hmm. no doubt, no <laughs> doubt, absolutely. And then you make decisions like if you're like say you know both your parents did these things to you right well i accepted my parents as they are and i tried to have relationships with both of them and then 
my outcome is, well, do I really want a relationship with this one? Do I really mm-hmm. like just with friends, just with whatever you need to right. make that decision for yourself? Like, yes, you can accept. I accept everybody for who they are. Mm-hmm. But do you expect what do you expect from but them? But I don't have to have them around me. And you don't have to have them around you. Yep, 100%. Yeah, you are Absolutely. what you are, and I accept that. Now get the fuck away from me. Yep, 100%. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? I think that uh, that's a perfect way to end a end a, end a, a deep conversation and even an episode. Mm-hmm. We're at like a, yeah. an hour 25 now. But um, so here here's the thing, Ashley. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think it, this, uh, hopefully, you know, I think that, I think people will get something out of it. I, I know that we did, you know, yep. so I think this is something that, and we don't necessarily have to have to decide now or plan on it, but um, you know, if there's, cause I think there's probably a couple other things that you wanted to talk about. I know one in particular, you were talking about the grief, you know, side of things, which we're still, you know, obviously still dealing with, you know, from yeah. our mom's mm-hmm. standpoint. So let's, let's at least do this. Let's throw it out on the table and say, Hey, maybe it's like hey call me <laughs> you know maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll you know we just we just spent uh, like you and your husband no, said i can make you an ad do you want me i am a no. mar- i am a marketer i can make you a ad and we can get you a sober girlfriend I don't, like we can do I don't need, <laughs> i'm just trying to get you laid dude I don't, you know what hey you know what do do what you got to do you've got my email address that's yeah. it <laughs> I'm not going to say no to anything, but so have you, I've heard that about you. I know. <laughs> yeah, And that's, that's part of the problem. I tell Mike, I tell Mike a lot. He, he knows, he knows every, he's the one person literally in this world that he knows more about me than anyone. Um, you yep. know, so yeah, he, he knows. <laughs> Lucky me. I have, I have a best friend and it's taken her a while to adjust to me this way <laughs> like there's been a lot of like not talking talking not talking talking and now we're talking mm-hmm. again we like we both are like on the same page now and i'm grateful for that but she's known me since i was in fifth grade right she knows everything about me she knows everything about my childhood she know like literally m- my sister-in-law asked me a question and i was like you should ask her because she probably remembers but i thought <laughs> so i'm <it's> like <laughs> and it's like when you have somebody like that there's just like this different understanding there Right. And it's, it's a great way to be able to have like a relationship. Like when I thought you guys were actually brothers and I was like, <laughs> oh, like that's great. I love that. And then when, he, when Bill explained it to me, I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome though. Like I yep. call my best friend, we have the same name too. And I call her, like, I call her my sister. Her parents right. call me their daughter. Like mm-hmm. that's how I call them mom and dad. Like that's how it is. And it's a great situation. Right. Yeah. It's yep. a, it, it's been one of the, um, one of the wonderful, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to sobriety, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, Mike and I, Mike and I never, and I say this, we say it all the time, never would have run across each other under any other circumstance. <laughs> um, and yeah, but we've got, we've got, a, I, I've never had a friend like him in my life. All of our friends yeah. in sobriety, I've never had friends like that, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, Mike and I have a, have a very cool and, and unique connection and, uh, you know, we're definitely family. So, but yep. Definitely, we'll we'll have to talk about this and see if um, you know find a time to you know have, have you back on or you can have us on your yeah. side and yeah. we'll talk about yep. this too. If there's a way for us, um, I might be able to. If I can cut this up right, I might be able to. And you let me know if you want to post some of this, or we'll just cross post and you have people mm-hmm. people listen. However you want to do, we'll figure that out. But so, have you ever heard like recently how Mike closes out an episode? No. <laughs> we've, had, we've had the majority of the guests we've had on they're like yeah we've just never listened to the end well you're about to hear it so oh, <laughs> right so now now yeah so now it's time for ashley you and i for for you and i to quiet down and mike gets to to talk us out of here
All right. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Sober Not Mature. We want to thank Ashley for being a wonderful guest today. Um, as always, be kind to each other. Be good to each other. You know, rate us, subscribe, give us five stars, like us, share us, however all that crap works. <laughs> and as always, please, 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 please fuck off. Then keep fucking off. Keep fucking off until you get to a gate with a sign on it saying, you cannot fuck off past here. Climb over the gate, dream the impossible dream, and keep fucking off forever. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> so so here's how this started. Uh, it, he, when we, well, God, back episode, you know, three, four, whatever, we're like, we should think of a way to go out like this. And Mike's like, the first thing that came to my head is fuck off. So he was right. doing, he was doing just that for, for mm-hmm. many episodes. And then our sister found that meme and gave it to him. So that was, God, what, 15, maybe even 20 yeah. episodes ago now? Yeah, it's been um, a while. Yeah, so now he uh, that's that's his closing on, on every episode. And I love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> so Keep yeah. dreaming, motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. Dream the impossible dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So Ashley, uh, seriously though, thank you. Um, I think we I think we talked about a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff on here, a lot yeah. of fun stuff. It was funny. I was I wasn't really making notes, so my episode description on this might not be as detailed as sometimes it normally is, but Oh, don't um, even worry about it. I love. I just. I think it was. It's so different than what I normally do when I go on other shows. So I love mm-hmm. it. Well, good. Good. Well, yeah. Again, we're <laughs> we we've heard that before too. We're different. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Mike, I love you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. I love you Ashley, too. Thank you All right, very thank much. Thank you so much, guys. All right. You guys have a good one. Bye. Right, bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to another episode of Sober, Not Mature. To access all of our content and interact with us, please visit our website, SoberNotMature.com. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you soon.